Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Well, amen. Thank you, worship team, and thank you, uh, folks, for singing out to our great God. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship, our contemplation, our attention, our focus, our love. And uh, that's something, as we, as we came out of the Lord's Supper, we come to, to church like this, we, we have to ask the question, what does worship look like? Well, what is, what is, uh, what is, what is worship? In, in the world doesn't make it very easy for us to worship sometimes. Amen. The world doesn't make it very easy for us to worship and praise God as, as we should. But what does it mean to be devoted to God? What does it mean to be faithful to God? What does it mean to walk with God in truth? We, we all, I think probably most of us, have uh, experienced what it means uh, to have someone treat us unfaithfully. Most of us maybe have been, um, we've put our trust in somebody or trust in an institution. We've, we've put our faith in an organization or we've put our faith in people and there's been times when they've let us down. What does it mean for us to not let God down? Amen. What does it mean for us to stay faithful to God in this life? What is worship? Please open your Bibles to Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Get a lot of amens from the babies this morning. I like it. And get some amens from the adults too. Amen. Daniel chapter 3. We continue our sermon series with these long chapters of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and its breadth 6 cubits. He set upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the councils, and the treasurers, and the justices, and the magistrates, <laughs> and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. When you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of, of what? <laughs> the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. A lot of rep repetition in that section, a lot of, of saying the same thing again and again. I think the author is trying to make some points through repetition. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 where we left last week, uh, I, we, we left with Nebuchadnezzar having a dream. 
Nebuchadnezzar seeing an image, a statue, and, and Daniel came along and interpreted the dream for him by God's grace. And Nebuchadnezzar saw this, this statue with a, a golden head, and, and Daniel told him, you're the head of gold. You're the man. But Daniel also told him, your kingdom's coming to an end sooner or later. It's not going to last forever. And Daniel also told him that one day God's kingdom is going to fill the whole earth and all the kingdoms of men, all the governments of humanity will be reduced to nothing. God's kingdom will reign forever and ever and ever. And Nebuchadnezzar was given that dream as an act of grace by God, an act of love. Come down off your high horse, come out of your pride, come out of your arrogance. And as Daniel taught him, or should ha he should have learned, seek wisdom from God. Seek your power from God. Seek your, your life from God. But Nebuchadnezzar, we come to chapter 3, and yeah, Nebuchadnezzar praised God. He was in awe of God in chapter 2, but now he's like, my kingdom's not going to end. Let's set this straight. Let's make a whole statue all of gold. Let's make it all about me. Now, we don't know if the statue was necessarily an image of Nebuchadnezzar. It could have been an image of one of the, the gods of Babylon. They were polytheistic. They worshipped many, many gods. But there was a certain few that were very popular and renowned. And maybe he made an image of a god. But it was solid gold saying... <clears throat> my kingdom is awesome. And I don't know what that God said, but it's going to last forever. Can you smell, can you sense the pride and arrogance of this man? We don't know if it was a, if it was a totem pole kind of a thing, if it was just a pillar kind of a thing. It, the text doesn't say. It probably wasn't solid gold. It was probably plated gold. But man, the arrogance and the pride of this man. What is he doing with this? He, He's setting it up. It's, it's, it's uh, ironic. I don't know if, if that's the right... Maybe it's not ironic, but it's interesting to see that he's setting it up in the same place where the Tower of Babylon was. Amen. Setting up in that same place where the peoples of the earth said, we'll make a name for ourselves and we don't need the gods. We'll, we'll, we'll unify all the peoples of the earth and, and bring them all together. And God shattered that, and you can guess what God's going to do to this dream, or this vision, or this desire. But Nebuchadnezzar, he, he, what's he trying to do here? It's, it is about him in a sense, but there's a bigger purpose. Uh, down in verse 7, it said, Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard all these things, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down. So Babylon's kingdom at this point, the, it's It's huge. He's got that people group and that people group and that people group and that people group coming. The trade language was Aramaic at this time. And so they could communicate through the language of Aramaic. But they brought all these people together. And what he's trying to do is unify his country. He's trying to unify all these people groups on some common core. Some sense of, hey, we're all in this together. And so in his mind, he brings all these leaders... And, and these leaders are from, they're huge regions that are they're taken care of, to smaller regions, to smaller regions, to judges, treasurers, etc. He's got all these people there, and he's trying to, to bring them together and make them one. 
And he's trying to manufacture unity. And he's trying to manufacture unity. The government is trying to manufacture unity through common worship. If you all come together and worship this one thing, we're good. If you all worship this one thing in harmony and unity, it'll all be perfect. And so you can imagine the herald as he's announcing these things. Oh, it's so good to see you all, comrades. It's so great that you're all here voluntarily and, and willingly. We're, we're so happy that you're here. It, under your own volition, you came, and, and you, you so badly want to have a glorious state, a glorious homeland. We're so happy for you, comrades. The Herald's announcing, now, we know that you all love Nebuchadnezzar, and you're all one. But if anybody doubts their patriotism, there is a furnace right here. <laughs> Dictators, rulers who want to manufacture obedience, <clears throat> they put a gun to your head to force it. And sometimes governments can find ways of putting guns to people's head to force them to comply. in the name of religion, the name of the nation. It's happened again and again and again. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, well, we got all these, all these gods and all these languages and all these people. Boy, if we could bring them together and make them one people under my religion, it would be great. Well, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, I, I don't think they're going to do that. You know, they're coming from that land and that land. Um, yes, they are going to do it. We're going to make them do it. Uh, the old Baptist principle of separation of church and state is still a valid principle. The old Baptist teaching on don't let the government be, be in control of religion is still an important teaching. You know, uh, when our country was much smaller and our country was much more unified in terms of who God was and, and, and the Christian God, it was easy for us to, to dream about one nation under God. But now in a pluralistic land, in a society where there's hundreds of different religions, um, the old Baptist teaching is don't let the government control religion is very valid right now and very important. I don't want Nebuchadnezzar teaching my kids to pray. Do you? Do you want Nebuchadnezzar teaching your kids morals and values and ethics? I think not. Because Nebuchadnezzar worships a false god. Nebuchadnezzar worships himself. And so, it's been set. The line's been drawn. Oh, peoples, just worship. And it's very, very clear here to say, um, worship this God, worship this idol, worship this image, and everything will go well, is what he's saying. Worship Nebuchadnezzar's God is what the herald is saying, but if you don't, um, you'll have your own personal holocaust. They'll die in the flame.
And governments uh, that demand compliance, they often manufacture unity through religion. It's very important that we as a people fight for freedom of religion in our country, and we never, we never turn it over to the government. We stand boldly, and even we, we fight and we even argue for other religions to have their freedom so that we can worship Jesus freely without being forced to worship something else. So the, the, the instrumentality here, notice when, when the herald says, uh, when the herald says, uh, bow down when you hear the music, he doesn't say, bow down when you hear the symphony, bow down when you hear the orchestra, bow down when you hear the harmony. It's like these, these, these different music, they just start playing. All these different drums and bagpipes. And what I imagine the author is trying to tell us is it's not a beautiful thing to worship a false god. He's trying to tell us it's not this harmonious, sweet, symphonic sound. It's this chaos. Chaos. Again and again and again. Chaos. And so he's saying, man, <laughs> when the music starts, wait, wait, uh, and, and he's, he's setting the table for something ugly. And so, boy, look, look, in verse 7, everybody bows down. And it seems like Nebuchadnezzar has achieved his purpose. But we realize that not everyone bowed. The world would have you bow to its gods. The world would have you bow to its man-made religion. The world would have you bow to its unity, its sense of oneness, its goals, its values, its desires. What does it mean to stay faithful to Jesus Christ in a world that's constantly telling you to leave Jesus behind? To stay faithful to Jesus means decisions have to be made. Especially these days when our country seems to be going in an ungodly direction. Amen. And those who are ruling our land oftentimes seem to have values that are not biblical values. What will the government ask us to do in the years ahead? In the name of unity. What will they ask us to sacrifice? What will they ask us to give up? What will they ask us to do? And what will be the consequences if we don't? Verse 8, Therefore at that time the, the certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. <laughs> you, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of, you got it, the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning fiery furnace. They're saying, King, you made this decree. And, and I'll tell you what, king, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. So the Chaldeans, again, the Chaldeans, it could, be, it could mean certain things in certain contexts, but there's, there's a, a, a 
subset of, of Babylonians in the ruling, ruling uh, caste, I guess you'd say, they kept their eyes open when everyone else was bowing down. Amen. Everyone else shut their eyes when they were praying to this false god, to this idol. The Chaldeans were looking, and they were looking at someone specific. They heard about those Jews. They heard about those Hebrews. They heard about those men who came from the province of Judah. And they were suspicious because King Nebuchadnezzar raised them up to authority and power, and they were jealous. And Let's watch and see what they do. Sure enough, those three guys didn't bow. Now, now Daniel, we're not sure where Daniel is in this account. Uh, up in chapter 2, verse 49, it said that Daniel remained at the king's court. We're not sure if, if he stayed back at, at Babylon to manage affairs while everybody else gathered in the, the plain of Dura. We're, we're not sure where Daniel is. But three, these three men, the, these three men stood when the whole nation bowed. These three men stood, these foreigners, these captives, these, these men who are at the mercy of government, they stood their ground. And the Chaldeans ratted them out. King, didn't you make this decree? I, boy, they're sure dis disrespecting you. Boy, they're sure uh, running your name in the mud, aren't they? <laughs> now, King, didn't you say that, these, that anybody who doesn't bow should die? Should we throw them in the furnace? What are you going to do, O King? What are you going to do? Verse 13, And Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, <laughs> hey, let, let's have calmer thinking here. Let's be rational about this, says the king. If you're ready when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, again, the chaotic sound, the messy sound, well and good, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Now, that's a little bit arrogant, isn't it? I mean, he, he's chapter 1, <laughs> chapter 2, this God of Daniel, this God of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's a great God. Who will rescue you out of my hands? <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and we, he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, you will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. <clears throat> the, uh, the three are willing to stand when everybody else bows. What does it mean to stay faithful to Jesus Christ? What does it mean to, be, be, to, to stay faithful and devoted and true to our God? Sometimes it means standing when everybody else bows. Sometimes it means refuse, refusing to comply to what's ungodly and unrighteous and unholy, even if it should cost you your life. 
where are they, where are they getting this, this sense of, of morality? Where are they getting this sense of ethics? Where are they getting this sense of we shouldn't bow? I mean, they're in a foreign land. They've been 900 miles away from home. Their family doesn't see them anymore. Nobody in Jerusalem cares anymore. Nobody's checking up on them. There's no accountability. There, there's, there's no one, you know, mom calling and saying, how you doing? How's your devotions? Are you going to church? Kind of thing. There, there's, there's nobody that's talking to them. They're all alone. Apparently, they've been taught by God how to be righteous through His Word. Apparently, in their time growing up in Jerusalem, they were instructed, they were counseled, they were taught God's morals and God's values, God's teachings. So if you remember the Ten Commandments, turn to Exodus chapter 20. Turn to Exodus chapter 20, please, and look at verse 3. Where did they get their stand? Where did they get their stance? Where did they get their gumption? Where did they get their faithfulness? They remembered what the Lord's will was. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me, said Yahweh. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children of the third fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. <clears throat> they remembered God's teaching, what God wanted, what God desired, and they decided they were going to be faithful. And you, I hope, remember the context of the Ten Commandments. That God took a bunch of people that were worshiping false gods, took a bunch of slaves who didn't know anything, anything uh, better. They grew up in, in Egypt. God rescued them, brought them to Himself. He saved them by grace out of Egypt. And He said, my people, I want to be your God. I will be your God. Will you be my people? He drew them near with cords of kindness. He drew them near with loving, loving actions. He brought them to Himself without any, any effort on their part. And He invited them into covenant. He invited them into relationship. He invited them to know Him and love Him and serve Him. And so when the law is given, when the Torah is given, when the instruction is given, it's, it's given as a means to stay in right relationship with God. It's given not as this legalistic list of rules, check, check, check in a pharisaical way. It's given as a mean of communion and relationship and intimacy with God, righteousness with God, a right relationship with God. That's why we seek His commands. That's why we obey Jesus. We want to stay close to Him and near to Him and faithful to Him. So even the Ten Commandments, even, even the law was given as a gift of grace to stay in communion with the Holy God. <clears throat> and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were probably taught as young boys to love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They probably heard it every Sabbath. 
to love the Lord their God with their heart, mind, soul, and strength, to live for Him. And what is it that we're called to do as Christians? We're called to love God with everything we are. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, He repeated Deuteronomy 6.5, and He said, the greatest commandment is to love God with all that you are, your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. What does faithfulness look like? What, what, is it, what is worship? What does devotion to God look like? It's, it's, a, it's a, a wholehearted, whole being, holistic love for our God that serves Him with all that we are. And sometimes that means civil disobedience. Sometimes that means saying no to those in authority. Sometimes that means saying no to some of your family members who are calling you to sin. Sometimes that means going in a different direction than your classmates or the people that are speaking into your ear. Sometimes that means saying no to the world. When the world calls you to lie, to cheat, to steal, to engage in sexual immorality, to engage in robbing others or deceiving others, Sometimes standing with Jesus means not bowing down when everyone else bows down. It means not going the path that everyone else is walking because you're a worshiper of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Because He's bought you with His blood and He wants you to stay close to Him. Whatever it takes. Sometimes we put rules over relationship. I think the, the biblical vantage point that we have, we, we tend to boil things down to rules. Sometimes we guys especially put rules up above relationship. And sometimes you women do a much better job of understanding that relationships are core to everything we do. We are called to love God relationally with everything we are, even if it costs us everything. Verse 17 again. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. So Nebuchadnezzar called him and he said, Hey, is this true? I'll give you a way out. I'll give you a way. I'll give you a chance to bow again. And they say to him in verse 16, We don't need to answer you on this matter. We don't need to defend ourselves. We don't need to give you any kind of answer. We've chosen to stand. Amen. We've chosen to go with our God. And, and King, if what we understand is true, it's like they're saying it for His benefit. If, if, we, if we, what we understand is true, we know our God reigns. We know our God could rescue us if He want, wants to. And we believe He will. But, if not, verse 18, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Isn't that great? We believe that God can save us from death in this situation. But if He chooses not to, we're still going to do what's right. right. 
Some of you guys are in situations, I suppose, some of you guys are in jobs right now where the boss is saying, unless you lie on the bottom line, you're fired. Or maybe you're working with some employees that are saying, hey, unless you go with us and you help us steal this stuff, we're going we're gonna to hurt you. And so someone who's faithful to God no matter what says, hey, my God, um, I'm staying relationally true with Him. I'm going to walk in His ways. And I know He could save me from you. But if He doesn't, I'm still doing what, what is right. I'm still going with my God. Isn't that incredible? The faithfulness, the devotion, the stance that they're making. You see, we, we, and, and we read that, and, and man, that's, some, some of you maybe have come to Christ, and you've been taught that now that you're a Christian, everything is going to go great. Now that you're a Christian, there's no suffering, there's, there's no pain, there's, there's no trouble. Because God's got you all the time, and He's not going to let you get hurt. <laughs> and then, then you live life a little bit, and you know that sometimes God does allow bad things to happen to His people. That God does allow us to go through fire and go through pain. We can't, we, we can't come to this point with our experience and what we know from, from the biblical teaching and say that now if I'm a true Christian, nothing bad will ever happen. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fire. And I know in your life, you've been thrown in the fire too. You've been ripped off. You've been lied to. You've been abused. You've been um, rejected. You've been in car accidents. You've had cancer. You've had COVID. You've had all kinds of things in your life. And... Um, you come to the position of these guys and, and, and mature faith says, I know God's moral will. I know the Ten Commandments. I know how he's, I don't know, I don't know his hidden will. These three guys are saying, we don't know if God's going to save us here or not. We don't know if God's going to rest. It, that, it's hidden. The revealed things belong to us and our children, but the secret things belong to God. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. I don't know what it is. He might not let us live. But we're still going to do it right. right. And I, I think that uh, probably Daniel, the way that he grew up, he maybe, um, maybe his parents heard the preaching of Isaiah, heard the prophecies of Isaiah, and probably heard something like this. Uh, Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. The three, the three young men, maybe their parents taught them this verse. Maybe they memorized it. But now says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've saved you. I called you by name. You're mine. Amen. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. 
the flame shall not consume, consume you. You see, the truth of the Christian life is that God doesn't save us from the fires. He doesn't save us necessarily from the COVID, or He doesn't save us necessarily from the cancer. But He does save us in the fire. He does save us in the flood. And sooner or later, God rescues. Sooner or later, God does bring us to salvation in this life or in the next. Our calling as a people of faith is to trust in God no matter what. To stay faithful through the bankruptcy. Through fa stay faithful when your spouse abandons you. Stay faithful when your kids curse your name. Stay faithful no matter what. It's worship. To stay faithful to God, to worship, means you're trusting God with your future, even when you don't know what the future is. Completely trusting God. Well, what happens with these young men? Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. The expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there's kind of a play there. Uh, the image that he set up in the beginning, uh, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, kind of a grotesque image. You know, the out of proportion, kind of a slender man, kind of an ugly, scary picture. We don't know if there was a base that was part of that 90 foot tall, uh, tall statue or not. Would have made the proportions a little bit better. But it was a scary image, a twisted image, a grotesque image. And he wanted everybody to bow down to it. Now he's, he's being thwarted. People are not doing what he want, wants. His image is becoming grotesque and twisted and distorted. He's not in a happy place, as it were. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than usually heated. And that, that's a figure of speech. Turn up the furnace as high as it can go. Throw as much coal or wood in there. It's not like there's a guy you know, with a temperature gauge. Nebuchadnezzar wants it seven times. It's only six times. It's 2,200 degrees instead of 2,500. Keep it coming. It's more of a figure of speech saying, as hot as it can get. The, the number seven, the number of completion. Get as hot as it can get. Kind of a deal there. And so they, they do it. Um, he orders some of his mighty men of his army, his great warriors, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fire first. Um, these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. So they're tied up with all, their, with all their garments on. We don't know if it was winter or what, but they had a lot of clothes on. Because, and, and so they're going to go up like, you know, like really fast in the, in the furnace. Because the king's order was urgent, and the furnace overheated, the flame and the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach. And isn't it ironic there? The strongest, mightiest men of his army, they died doing his will. Could be a sign, O king. I don't know. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Uh, ideas of what the kiln looked like. They probably used the kiln to make the bricks or to smelt the gold that they made the statue with. But uh, a lot of times the images you see in, in Bible dictionaries or whatever, kind of a, maybe a milk carton shape or a beehive shape with an opening on the top and a door on the side. You know, you could throw materials in and put your, your, your metals in or whatever. So we think what's happening, they threw the, the metal 
men threw the top of the, the shape, maybe it was against a hill or something, they threw them in, the guys died, but, but they're in the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselor, Did we not cast three men in the bound in the fire? Answered and said, Yeah, true, O king. You're not losing your mind. It's really happening. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. They're not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of, sons of, uh, son of gods. And what, what a be there's all kinds of songs, hymns, and songs written about this moment. You know, three went in, there's four in the fire. Kind of deal, and the one looks like a divine being. Now, uh, we, we don't know if this is just an angel of the Lord, angel of the Lord meaning um, uh, a, a, a created being of God, an angel of the Lord meaning the pre incarnate uh, coming of Jesus Christ. We're not sure, the text doesn't tell us, but God's presence is there with them. God said in, in Matthew 28, verse 20, I'll, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I'll be with you in the fire. I'll be with you in the flood. I'll be with you through your troubles and trials and tribulations. And he's there with them in the fire. His plan is still reigning. His purposes for these men are going forth. They're going forth in your life too. Through whatever is happening, whatever difficulties and challenging uh, things you're going through, God has a purpose for your life. He's with you even in this season and even if in this trial. In the good times or the bad, He is with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. You're His. He's paid the greatest price to love you, to bring you to Himself. He's never going to let go. Brothers and sisters, believe that. Amen. Even if He allows you to go through a loss of a spouse, or, or even if He goes, lets you go through the loss of a child, God is there with you in your grief, in your tears, in your suffering, in your brokenness. He does not leave his children alone. Christian, he's never left you. He will never leave you. Trust in his purposes. Trusts, trust in his plans to be fulfilled. And Nebuchadnezzar came, verse 26, to the door of the fire furnace, and he declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego came out from the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the kings, counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. No smell of fire came upon them. You know, you sit around a campfire for even like 10 minutes. You go inside, you smell like a fire. Amen. These guys, no smell. They, they don't smell like the fire. They've been in the fire. But God's grace protected them to the great... And what's going on here? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been so faithful to God. And now they get to witness to the glory of God. All the leaders of the nation are gathering around. The leaders that Nebuchadnezzar has called together to worship his gods, now they're getting to hear the gospel about Daniel's God. Now they're getting to see the power of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. This, this small province of Judah, this small city of Jerusalem, these men came from there. And look at what their God has done. Brothers and sisters, when you stand for Jesus Christ, God will use that for you to witness to your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, your schoolmates. When you stand in the fire with God, God is a way of bringing that around. 
Even if you've gone through troubles and trials, even, even if hardships came because you were obedient to Jesus, these things happen all the time to faithful followers of Jesus Christ. God uses their suffering for His glory. It's not happening for nothing. What you're going through right now, your, your troubles, your fears, your anxieties, the things that are coming upon you saying, God, why are you doing it? Believe that it's not happening for nothing. Sovereign God knows what He's doing with your life. He knows what He's doing with your mess. He knows what He's doing with your, with your sickness. Don't believe for a second. It's purpose, purposeless. So Nebuchadnezzar answered them and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wow! Who can snatch these people? No, God can snatch these people from fire. And now he's saying, Oh, blessed be this God. Wow! He's pretty awesome. Who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yield up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. And so he's testifying to their faithfulness to God. May people testify about our faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Amen. May people testify to, to our devotion, even though we're broken, even though we're sinners, even though we're weak, even though sometimes we feel so powerless. May people testify about us that we're willing to stand with Jesus Christ no matter what. That He is our God. And whatever comes, O oh King, I'm not going to bow. Whatever comes, O oh boss, <laughs> I'm not going to do what, you, what you're doing because it's immoral. I'm going with Jesus all the way. I want to stay in right relationship with my God. And that's the highest priority for me. And may people testify. May your children and your grandchildren testify about your faithfulness. May the generations that, that see you testify about your faithfulness and may they give glory to God for His grace upon your life. But brothers and sisters, maybe this week you're going to have to stand. Maybe you're going to have to make up your mind, I'm not going to go that immoral route again. I'm not going to go that sinful route again. I'm not going to go that evil route again this week. I'm going with Jesus, even if it costs me everything. I'm going to trust that Jesus, sooner or later, will make things right. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything other against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. For there's no other God is able to rescue them that way. Isn't it funny? He was thwarted the first time he made that statement. He's making it again. I have all power to do whatever I want. And I'm going to say it again. <laughs> he didn't learn. May we learn from our mistakes. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So again, they're put in a position for decades and decades and decades to shine for Jesus, to be salt and light in a community, in a world that needed witness. If they had folded, if they had given in, they lost their credibility, they lost their witness. Don't you give in to unfaithfulness, to worldliness, to wickedness this week. Stand for Jesus. Amen. Be faithful for Jesus, to Jesus, with Jesus this week. And if the fire comes, let Him pull you out as He sees fit. Please stand in the Lord's presence.
Uh, Lord God Almighty, we, uh, we hope we are not put to the test, but we know in this culture, in this society, that sooner or later, the way things are going, we're going to be put to the test. And uh, Lord, we want to come out the other side of that having been faithful. So we ask for your grace. We ask for your power. We know we need to depend on you. We know we need uh, your resources, Lord, your strength, your sufficiency. <clears throat> so, Lord, we, we ask for it. Give us the power. Give us the ability to stand for truth, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to walk in your ways all of our days. And uh, through our, our lives, Lord, at the end of our life, may there be much testimony of the grace of God. May there be many people that say, we were your worshipers no matter what. And may you get all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Send us out into what you have for us this week, Lord. Thank you for being with us. We trust you today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Go in His peace and His power and His love. He is with you this week. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where He sits making intercession for His people, and right now, He is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God, by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless. Mm -hmm.